Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here by my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we will be breaking down the Auburn-Georgia game. It was a tough loss for the Tigers in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, really just breaking down everything that happened, things we were surprised about, and just nuances like that. Uh, for those who need a quick refresher, uh, the Tigers lost 27-20 to against the number one team in the country after just a really tight game. Honestly, I think that a lot of people weren't expecting Auburn to play quite as well as they did. Uh, Peyton Thorne did get the nod at starter like we expected. Uh, 10 completions for 19 yards or for 10, 10 completions, 19 attempts for 82 yards and an interception. Uh, Robbie Ashford was one for one for six yards. Peyton Thorne also added 92 yards on the ground. Uh, but Wheeler, why don't you just kind of give us your thoughts? You know, we, we talked last week about it was five straight games against power five competition where Auburn's quarterback had failed to pass for over a hundred yards. And that statistic sadly did see live to see another week. Uh, so that is now at six straight contests. But just give us your thoughts really about kind of going into the game, where where you were feeling, if you were getting any of that kind of game day hype, seeing everyone walking around in the orange, were you getting that? Where were you feeling during the game? And just kind of take us through your your emotional process throughout the game. I would say going into the game, I mean, we said on the podcast that we were not expecting Auburn to score a lot of points. Um, I think we said that the ceiling was probably 20 points. Um, which is what they got. Um, I didn't think that Georgia was going to just run away with it because I didn't think that Georgia's offense was that good, and I think Auburn's defense is pretty solid. So this game played out a little bit closer than I think either one of us thought it was going to be, but also at the same time, I wasn't especially shocked by anything that happened in the game. I mean, the defense has been solid all year. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of knew that that was going to be the case. We knew that Carson Beck, it was going to be his first start on the road. I thought the crowd made a big difference um, with him. I think, you know, the thing that changed the game, honestly, and we'll get to the offense, we'll get to all of that, is Jalen Simpson. I mean, when Jalen Simpson was out there, I don't know – you know, we haven't watched the tape back like a defensive coordinator. I Just watching, I think that even when he was not covering Brock Bowers, the ability of Simpson to cover the field allowed it to be easier to bracket or to double cover mm-hmm. Brock Bowers. It freed up more space. When Simpson got hurt, that's when Bowers started really going off. And it's tough because you have Keontae Scott, who's already out. You have Simpson, who's, you know, hobbled, was out for a little bit. And so that just – it's a tough situation when the guy who's your ball hawk on defense, who is either covering Brock Bowers, who is – I mean, th- let me just say this. There were people in our section who were frustrated that Brock Bowers was having a good game and saying that they had never heard of him. 
Let me just say this. If you've never heard of Brock Bowers, you have officially lost your ability to complain. If you do not watch football enough to know that Brock Bowers is going to take over a game, and honestly, if you are genuine in what the Heisman is supposed to be, which is the best player in college football, and it was not who's the flashiest player, who has the most you know, clicks, who has the most talks on ESPN, Brock Bowers might be one of the best. He is going to go very high in the NFL draft. He is going to be an ultra-successful player at the next level. You know, I mean, I think that holding him to what you did and waiting, you know, keeping him down until the fourth quarter, I thought was an admirable effort. I thought that the defense, I thought that the plan was good. Um, offensively, I mean, we talked about it last week. You you got to be able to throw the ball. I think that Peyton Thorne played significantly better this week uh, than he did in the A&M game, both in his running and even I thought the passing game was less on Peyton Thorne this week. You know, we'll hammer somebody if they're not playing well. We'll just call it how it is. Texas A&M, it was his fault. He was holding on to the ball. He didn't have any running. He didn't have a bunch of passes that were good. This game, I mean, you have 19 attempts, and what, you had like five drops? Six. Six. So, I mean, that 16 of 19 sounds a whole lot better than 10 of 19. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm not – he can't make the guys catch the ball. I thought they were very catchable passes. I thought there was one that some people are calling a drop. I think it was Amari Kelly where he was diving for the catch, kind of Malcolm the, Johnson. Malcolm Johnson, right on the like right at the fifteen yard. Yeah, line. right at yeah. the fifteen yard line. Everybody, you know, people are calling that a drop. I mean, I I don't subscribe to the old football term of if it touches you, you should catch it. Like that's not necessarily true. I think if it touches you, you had a chance to catch it, but I don't think the expectation should be, oh, you didn't do your job when you dove and barely got to the ball and it hits you in the hands as you're hitting the ground. Like, that was not an expected catch. See, I I would say that I I subscribe a little bit more, but I also think it's more so it's it's not necessarily the fault of the receiver, but you're just like, it's not the fault of the quarterback. You know, like I, I watched it and I was like, well, that's a good throw. You know, like there there weren't that many places where Peyton Thorne could have put the ball that put Malcolm Johnson in a better position. And it's like what we said, or what I felt like I said all the time in 2019 was Bo Nix was really good at, was when he would throw a ball, he was actually really good at being like, this might not be a completion, but it's either my guy is catching it or it's falling incomplete. Yeah. So I thought that, you know, that was an acceptable drop. The last drive, I mean, that was tough to watch. You know, I mean, Jay Fair, you got to bring that one in. Um, Jarquez got to bring that one in. Jarquez got to bring that one in. I think, you know, challenging catch, but a drop, Rivaldo Fairweather, when you're down on the mm-hmm. five-yard line, that was a dot. I mean, yeah. as much as we were hating on Peyton Thorne last week, that was an absolute dime to get you down on the five-yard line. And, yeah, I, I will say – I mean, Rivaldo made a heck of a play to get his body in position to where he could actually catch it, but it's not enough. You can't just make the play to get there. You got to haul it in. That's that's what you're going to do. Like there's nobody cares if you're really good at getting open, but you can't haul it in. And in the cow game, Rivaldo, to be fair, made an incredible catch mm-hmm. down on his shoelaces. So it's not like he's not done anything. But in fairness to the passing game. You know, I think he had a good game. I 
I teeter back and forth on the offense as to whether you would want to do the Robbie Ashford wildcat for most of the game because that's what Peyton Thorne is doing. At the, at the time, I didn't feel like you really had a passing threat with Peyton Thorne solely looking at the stat line. Just looking at the way the offense was running, looking at, you know, throwing for 50% for 82 yards. I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm like, what passing threat? Like, there is no passing threat here. When you go back and you watch it a little bit more, I think there was a little bit more of a passing threat when Thorne is in the game. You know, does that mean that Robbie shouldn't get more touches? I, You know, I... I liked how much Robbie came in the game. The only thing I would have changed maybe is on that third and one or third and two where you keep say, yeah, just keep him in. And then after you get a first down, start the new uh, possession or, you know, first down with Thorne in the game. So overall, I thought the plan was good from the offense and the defense. I thought that there was a lack of execution from the receivers. Um, thought that, you know, Jarquez, he's got a, all that one in. I thought that he ran really hard, though. Um, so credit to him for how hard he was running. Concerning trend with him, though, is fumble problems. And it's on tape. And you can tell every time Jarquez has the ball, teams are punching at the ball. And I think that sometimes when you've had a couple of fumbles that were genuine fumbles, where, you know, a helmet just hits the ball and there's nothing you can do about it, when that happens a couple of times, Teams start smelling blood in the water, and when they smell blood in the water, if you punch at the ball enough, you're probably going to get it, especially with a guy like Jarquez that's not going to go down. You know, you don't want him to go down, but at the same time, you want him to keep the ball safe. I thought Brian Betty um, had a very, very effective game. Um, He continues to impress. I think he's the most impactful transfer that we've had this season. Um, You know, Eugene Asante came in two seasons ago, so I'm not going to count him in the – rookie class of transfers. So I think out of this class of transfers, I think Batiste made a bigger impact than Thorne has. Um, and then, I mean, on defense, Jalen McLeod, I think is, you know, they say is our best pass rusher. We have no pass rush if we are not going, if we're not bringing more than four. Um, Noble say in Rivaldo. I don't know. I mean, Rivaldo made two good plays against Cal. So, I guess in terms of wins and losses, he's made the impact. But on a down in and down out, if you told me that either Rivaldo Fairweather was not going to be playing in a game or Brian Batty was not, and you asked which one's going to affect the offense more, I mean, I'm going to say Brian. I think Brian right now with Demari out is going to make more of an impact than Rivaldo. I mean, he has four catches. No, I mean, I, I think that when you look at it, it's – it's difficult to look because Brian Batty never looks as good as he does on the field in the box score. Mm. You know, and I think that that is something like looking at Brian Batty's numbers, you're like, this guy, I mean, he he's fine. Like he does, he make you know, he makes some boys, but it's like when you watch him in the game, you're like, this guy's a game changer, mm-hmm. you know? So I definitely think that, I mean, Brian Batty has obviously been a huge player, no doubt about that. But I think I see Rivaldo Fairweather more as a guy where this team goes to him when they're in trouble. You know, and I and I think that that I would probably I'd probably put Rivaldo. Someone asked me uh, this week uh, after they they messaged me during my uh, during my Q and A this week, and they asked to rank the top five the five best players on the team. 
And the the, the top four, I kind of went through with no problem. When I got to five, I was kind of in a weird spot. And so I ended up going with Rivaldo Fairweather because I feel like he is the guy that it's like when your offense is in trouble, they're going to throw something up to him. They're going to throw a seam route and they're going to see what he can do. So I, I think that Rivaldo is probably, at least I would say, is the most impactful offensive transfer at the moment. But it also is difficult when Brian Batty is, I mean, Jarquez had 19 carries, Peyton Thorne had 12, Batty had eight carries and three receptions. So it's like, you know, what what is Batty's, you know, stats and what does his production look like if you don't have Jarquez and Peyton Thorne taking those rushes if you're able to, you know, find him a little bit more. But regardless, I mean, obviously they've both been huge players for Auburn, but I, I think that the, the, the debate is interesting. <clears throat> I think the special teams played well. Um, Batty especially on special teams. Yeah, played Batty well. well played well on special teams. Um, it was just a little bit funny to see Sean Jackson return a kick. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that was intentional. It looked like he was back there to block, and he just waved Brian off. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar Chapman averaging fifty-one yards per punt. Part of that was because of the eighty-yard punt that he did have. But 71. regardless, yeah, okay. still fifty-one yards. And then uh, Alex McPherson has been. Quite reliable, mm-hmm. especially coming in as a freshman. Made some pressure kicks. Um, so, I think overall, stepping back from it, the team played okay. The, you know, they they played really hard. I don't think you could say that they played good, necessarily. You could say they played good for them. For, for the talent that you have, you could say they played well, okay? I don't think that this is an especially great team. And so I think that if this were a higher talent team and they played that level of game, they're going to win the game. They're just not talented yet. Um, And I am torn, really, about it. Because on one hand, I want to see that. I want to say, okay, yeah, they're getting better. Yeah, they put up a fight. But on the other hand, it's been four years. And this is Auburn. Like, we're not Louisiana Monroe. At some point, it's not, oh, we had a competitive game with a Power 5 team. Like, yeah, I know they're number one in the country, I kn- but eventually you have to win the football game. You have to score more points than the other team. And moral victories, I mean, you can try and point to them. And I think that the coaches would say the same thing. I think you know, they're pleased that there was improvement from Texas A&M to Georgia. But at some point, I mean, I don't want to see this entire season built off of, wow, well, they were really close. Wow, you know, they got better this week. Yeah, I mean, that those are good things, but let's do those things with a win. And so I think rating the game, I think I'm a little bit lower than a lot of people because a lot of people are fine looking at the moral victory here. And we're all for Auburn. And I'm typically Mr. Moral Victory, find the positive note. I just think it's it's kind of getting sad. Like, Auburn people are just happy that it was a competitive game. And I think that shows where the program is right now. I think that's a sad place for this program to be, that so many people were excited leaving the stadium that we were competitive in this game. I don't think that as an Auburn fan, you should ever be excited that you lost a game. I don't care who you're playing. You, you were of the caliber. 2017, you beat number one two times. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be every single year, but Auburn should expect to win these games. The expectation should not be, 
man, I thought we were going to get beat by 30. I had plans of the second half. I had to cancel my plans to watch the second half. I was so excited. Hey, there was a light show, and, hey, we, you know, it was a game at the end. Like, that's just kind of depressing. I, I mean, I don't know about you or the listeners, but I'd be intrigued to hear of other people. Maybe I'm just being Debbie Downer, but it's like, dang. I mean, where's the fight of, like, you lost the game and everybody just kind of ho-hum. And, I mean, I'm not saying you need to go home and, you know, punch your TV or let it – I mean, it's a game at the end of the day. But I think when you talk about the game, it shouldn't – you know, the expectation shouldn't be, well, they they fought and it was close. And I, I'm just happy with that. It's just – it's kind of sad. Yeah, and I think it, it goes back to – you know, it has been for, I mean, it hadn't been since 2019 when, you know, a top team came into Auburn and we were like, I think we're going to win this game. You know, like I remember, I mean, in, in 2017, it was like really both the Georgia and the Alabama games. It was like, I was like, I feel like we're going to win these games. 2019 against Bama, like there were a lot of games and obviously like 2013, like even 2015 and, you know, 2015 wasn't even that good of a season, but you were always like, we can win these games. And I think that that's what is the worst part for me is, you know, I, f- I feel like in, in some of those previous years is you were like, we lost because of this. We lost because of this. We lost because of this. And you can say that a little bit to this, but at the end of the day, George is a better team than we are. And I think that that was the frustrating thing was in previous years, it's their best is beating our best. Whereas it felt like this it was just like our best isn't even with their best. Like Jalen Simpson, I mean, someone asked me right before the game, they were like, what are we going to do to stop Brock Bowers? And I was like, well, we don't have any linebackers that can really do anything. That Cam Riley, to his credit, actually played a very well, a very yeah. good game. He, he missed did. missed a couple coverages. You could tell that he was kind of playing out of his element. But it was things like that where it was like he had good moments, but then there were also plays where – he misses assignment and the tight end runs right by him and it's a touchdown. Of course, and Beck hits it, yeah. but he misses it. And then I was like, you know, we don't have a linebacker that can do it. We don't have a corner that's big enough. I was like, really, Jalen Simpson's the only guy who I can imagine, you know, being a guy who could be on him for a prolonged amount of time because Simpson's a great tackler, great ball abilities. Like he's just the really the only option that we have. And he did a phenomenal job. The scheme on Brock Bowers was actually great i mean yeah. the the i mean the dude had less than 30 he's in my opinion the best player in college football he had less than 30 yards through three quarters and then simpson goes you know goes down and it just kind of and it just all fell apart real quick but it it was very much like i was watching him and i was like he's better than we are and i think that the difference in auburn now and auburn a couple of years ago is if some the these just these teams they just have more elite players and Auburn does not have that many elite players. We have less already. And if one gets hurt, then you're even, you're even, you're even worse. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think this might be a hot take. I think Jalen Simpson's the best player on this football team. I would agree. No, and, I don't think that's a hot take. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, you watch him and you're like, I mean, it, it is tough though when the best player in your football team is safety. Yeah. Because like, you know, and it, it's the same thing I remember, you know, like with Kyle Hamilton was, you know, when he went uh, when he was in the NFL draft from Notre Dame and he kind of slid in the NFL draft. And I was like, I think he's one of the best players in the draft. It's just a safety just isn't the most important position on the field. And I think that that's the problem is like, well, our best players are safety. We have good corners, like all that. But it's like we don't have 
just our best guys. You know, you look at that 2017 team, it's like, well, your best player on defense is probably Carlton Davis. And then one of the guys, that's on talent, you know, like he's an elite player. Then the guy that plays the best, you know, like I would say, see, I'd say that Jalen Simpson's the best player on the team. Eugene Asante has moments when he looks like the best player on the team. But I don't think Eugene Asante is going to be, you know, a first-round NFL draft pick. And I think that when you watch the 2017 team, that was what you thought with Jeff Holland. You were like, there are moments where this guy's the best player on the field, but he's not the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think that we just don't really have many guys like that that can raise their level of play to that that area. And, and it's not like I, I'm, I'm not blaming them per se because it's just like you, you just don't have it. Like yeah. that's why you ha- that's why you recruit guys. That's why you have to win Perry Thompson, Demarcus Dritic, like. That's why you have to win those kind of recruiting battles to change the narrative on the type of players you have. But overall, you know, I I think that, you know, I mentioned last week and you you didn't really want to hear it about this week was interesting because we'll be able to see what this team is like at home. And that's something that I'm kind of questioning on. Did this team get significantly better from AM to Georgia or are we just seeing what this team is going to be like at home? Because there were a lot of there have been a lot of Auburn teams that have looked great at home and looked terrible on the road. And I think this might just be one of those teams. And that doesn't really instill any confidence for LSU. No. But it does instill confidence for when Ole Miss comes to town, when Mississippi State comes. And you're like, all right, I think if the team that played against AM plays every game, we might not win another SEC game. If the team that plays that played against Georgia plays in every game, we win nine games. And I don't think that's that crazy. I really don't. I think that when you look at Peyton Thorne, what we talked about when when Peyton Thorne came to Auburn, we said what this team needs to have a competent offense is a quarterback that can throw the ball to the level that a team cannot stack the box. And that's what Peyton Thorne did. Whether it was – I mean, he wasn't really throwing bombs. He wasn't really just dicing them up. But Georgia couldn't stack the box against Auburn. Auburn ran the ball very effectively. Averaged five yards a rush. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's extremely good. productive, especially against the number one team in the country. And he had a lot of throws. And I don't – and off the top of my head, I don't know if we completed more than two passes down, you know, past the line of scrimmage in the first half. But it didn't matter because the passing game was enough that Georgia had to kind of step back and play defense a little bit. Peyton Thorne had some plays where he saw the blitz was coming. He knew that it was just a lost cause, and he just threw up a prayer, and we ended up getting a pass interference, and it worked out. And it was like those were the plays that you liked him taking instead of just taking a sack. But I don't know if that's going to be what Peyton Thorne is now or if that's what home Peyton Thorne is and away Peyton Thorne is still going to be jittery taking all these bad sacks. So I think that that was essentially what I think I learned the most about this game, but at the end of the day, I do agree with you. I think it was the the end of the game. It it was very reminiscent of the 2021 Iron Bowl for me. And when the clock hit zero, the game's over and you're just sad and you're not, you're not angry. You're just kind of like, man, I'm just sad. You know, I didn't expect to win, you know, that it was a little bit closer than I thought it was going to be, but you're just sad, sad that Auburn lost. And you're not mad. I wasn't. I wouldn't say that I was mad at any player. I think that a lot of players actually played had some really good games. I thought Marcus Harris had the best game of his career. That I'm so glad you mentioned that. Marcus Harris really this whole season. Yeah. I mean that group was so disrespected. I mean even we had. I mean I I mentioned they were my biggest question mark is how the defensive line is going to play. Marcus Harris 
tons of guys transfer. We added so many transfers on the D-line. Marcus Harris is a guy that has weathered the storm through the staff, and he's he had the best performance on you know on the defensive yeah. line. He played a phenomenal game. And so it, it was just – but it's things like that where you're just like, you know, it hurts to see these guys playing to that level, and there's not really a thing where you can be like, man – Every yeah, I think every position group on against Texas A&M, I think every position group but the quarterbacks played good enough to win the game. On Saturday, I true, I think every position group on the team played good enough to win the game. I think there were there were they could have played better in some things, but I think if the ball bounces a different way, if Cam Riley is able to you know make the athletic play and dive on that pick on the deflected ball. I think we win the game. Yep. If, you know, Avery Jones doesn't snap the ball too high on that fourth and one, I think we convert. I think we score on that drive. That changes the game. If, uh, you know. Fairweather catches the ball on the five-yard line. Precisely, yeah. If if Brock Bowers doesn't have two straight one-handed catches on, you know, big on long down situation, like there were little things like that. But it wasn't the or kind you of you don't thing. have a DB fall down twice on an out. Exactly. Route, yeah. Which is no fault of it. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, yeah. Like I'm not going to be the guy who's just screaming at Nehemiah Pritchett for missing the coverage when it's like, well, he's he, he slipped. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That's it's part of football. Like uh, so. I. But overall, you know, with all those plays and all those guys we named, you can point to three other plays where they won the rep and they, you know, were beneficial for Auburn. So, just overall. I I disagree that it was it was disappointing to lose the game. I'm not saying that I'm blaming anybody, but I'm not really saying like, oh, hopeful for the future. And this is something that I brought up with you. Uh, we were when we were at the tailgate, and we had you know someone who is typically more of a, a sunshine pumper who was talking about how he was just happy that it was close. And you know the the mention the recruiting weekend. I think that's a big thing. A lot of people mentioned the recruiting. They were like, oh, well, the recruits saw a great atmosphere. And at the risk of speaking out of both sides of my mouth, that is true. You know, the 2015 Iron Bowl was one of the biggest recruiting weekends in Auburn history. You know, you had some just absolute studs there. And that was that night, I truly believe, really set the stage for the defenses the next four years that we would have. And obviously that game was a loss, but it was an electric atmosphere. But the same thing can be said 2021 the Iron Bowl was an electric atmosphere. It was a coach that didn't really have a great season, and almost everybody walked out of that stadium, and they were like, you know, this Harson guy, he might be the one. Like, that was a good performance. He 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 just raised a team, and he's going to be – he's going to tell these recruits, look what I did with a less talented team. Imagine what I could do with you. It's the exact same thing that everyone's saying that Hugh's going to be telling these recruits. Hugh just, you know, took it to the wire with a team that was better than him. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, it might be true. You know, it might be true. Hugh might, you know, get this program back to where it belongs. And, you know, personally, I'm hopeful that he will. But I don't think that this is the game where we should be like, yep, it's here. We're back. You know, we're we're we're, we're losing to Georgia close. We're back. You know, like, that's just not – I'm not really in that boat because we saw that with Harson, And people don't want to admit it because the hypocrisy on Harson is insane. It really is. Like, I'll be the first to admit, I was hopeful. You know, I I had hope for the guy 2021. 2022 is really, you know, when I started getting a little worried. But in 2021, I was like, look, the guy might might be legit. Like, he might be, you know, building a program. And after that 2021 season, you're like, okay, if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt, that's a nine-win season. Probably a win against Alabama. Decent enough recruiting. 
you know, let's see what he does in year two. This year, you know, Hugh Freeze, I, I predicted preseason. I, I made the prediction at nine wins, and it was bold. It was aggressive. But I predicted that we would lose these three games. And the team that we saw, I don't think – I think Mississippi State, extremely winnable. Vanderbilt, extremely winnable. Ole Miss is extremely winnable. Their defense looks absolutely t- – their offense looks great. Don't get me wrong. But their defense has not been inspiring. No. Like, And that's beneficial for Auburn because if your defense doesn't look good – you know, that kind of, you know. <laughs> that helps us. Yeah, I look at an average defense, and I'm like, man, these guys look like the, you know, 03 Miami Hurricanes. But so, but overall, I just – I really don't know where my analysis is going, but it's just kind of like I'm not really happy that we kept it close because we lost the game. Yeah, I, I think it's – I'm not going to get my hopes up till they start winning games. Yeah. Or till they win the recruiting battle. So it may not even be in this. It, it may be when they win the recruiting battle and they sign on the dotted line. Yeah. Because losing close in recruiting, losing close in games. Doesn't matter. Is losing. Whether yeah. you lose close or lose big, it really doesn't matter. You know? And that's been the thing. Everybody's been like, well, we're we're in contention for top talent. Well, in contention for top talent doesn't win you games on Saturdays. And, and you know, and just to talk about that, we can talk about it, you know. We can say Smell Mondin, George on defense, led their team in tackles, 11 total tackles and had a sack, two tackles for loss. You want to know who came in second in his recruiting battle? Auburn University. And you know who it didn't matter for? Auburn University. University. Tyke Smith, five tackles, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Who came in second? Doesn't matter, University. Yep. Ra Ra Thomas, two catches, 24 yards. Who who came in second for him? That'd be us. Nylon Green, two tackles, played really good in the secondary. Not us. Xavier Sori. Like, you can go down the list and just name these guys that Auburn was involved in, Auburn fought for. Smell Mondin, I mean, that was a huge one with Brian Harson. He was he he came to the Brian Harson games. We were like, this guy would be a real big, real big, you know, gem of the class guy. He goes to Georgia and he's he's a stud. So you got to win those. And you look at it, Perry Thompson's going to be that same way. If Perry Thompson doesn't end up in Auburn, which I I mean, I Perry seems like he's locked in with Auburn, yeah. obviously. I'm not saying that. But, like, you can look through a lot of these guys, you know, like Perry Thompson can be the guy to be like, that was a huge win. DeMarcus yeah. Reddick can be like, that's a huge win. You're going to be looking at the box score in three years. The guys that are in this class that are at the top of the class, they're going to be Auburn's top of the class dudes. You're going to look at guys. You're going to look at K.J. Bolden. Like, it doesn't matter if Auburn came in second because you're going to look at a box score and he's going to be balling out for FSU. You're going to look at all this stuff. Well, it, I mean, it, Cam Coleman from Miss, Michigan yeah. State has been balling out for Keon FSU. Coleman. Or, Keon, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Auburn came in second. Auburn came in second. You can't come in close and be happy with it. It doesn't matter. And, yeah. It, it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and I think that that is just the biggest thing is their moral victories are great, but moral victories suck. And especially for someone who follows recruiting, every time a Georgia player makes a play, you're just like, man. And it, and you just feel like a broken record. You're like, yep, we came in second for that guy. And, and it sucks because you're like – you you saw him and you're like, this guy's going to be a big-time player. But it's like – you know, and I'm not – and, you know, it's, it's we've said this incessantly. You can either go to a team that has won back-to-back national championships and will probably be in the playoffs the third straight year, or you can go to a team that hadn't had a winning season in four years. Yep. Like, where are you going to go? You know, it's it's, it's difficult to regret. And obviously, it's huge that Hugh Freeze is getting these five stars. Like, that's great. But it's like, you need to get and them it's there. it's tough to sell an atmosphere when 
they'll come and play in the atmosphere, but they'll win. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it was, yeah, it was easier for Gus when it's like, you know, we're competing. We're competing for these championships. And so obviously this is, you know, this is getting, I feel like we're getting a little down, but it's like, I do think that Hugh Freeze is doing a really good job. He's doing yep. a great job in recruiting. He's doing a decent job on the field. He really is. And there's a lot more football to be played. And the three teams that we're playing these, you know, th- four straight, you know, four straight weeks, three straight games, they're probably the best teams on the schedule. And talent-wise, they're top 10 teams in the country when you're talking about pure talent. So obviously, you might not expect them to win these from just a talent gap. A, it'd be nice to win them. B, if you don't win these win the other ones, you know, yeah. like win, win the rest of your games and, and, and make something happen. But I'll, I'll let Weather go after, you know, that was my kind of, my kind of rant moment right there. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not any more down on the team. I'm not down on Hugh. Not at all. I think I'm, I'm just more so down on the Auburn fan perception that we did a good thing yeah. by losing the game close. And that that's where my downer is. I still think that Hugh has the team on the right track. I think that the recruiting's I think everything is on the right track to get to winning again. But I it's a little bit poverty and it hurts my heart that Auburn fans are becoming poverty fans where they're like, Well, it was close. I mean, basketball people don't even think that way for basketball anymore. Mm. Like you come in second in basketball and people are like Oh man, Bruce, people are harsher on Bruce. Bruce misses on a guy who goes to Kansas. Okay. And this is Auburn basketball. That's the thing is like Auburn basketball was a poverty program for years. And poverty is a generous way to describe it. They were potentially the worst Power Five basketball program in the country. And they are competing with recruits for Duke and Kansas. And then Auburn fans have the winning mentality in basketball of you just got to get it done, man. Like Mm -hmm. you can't come in second to the G League. You can't come in second to Kansas. That's the expectation in basketball. People are like, yes, that's how people used to view Auburn football. That's how Auburn football. That's how, that's how, that's how we, I think that's how we still view Auburn football. But then you go to the tailgates and stuff and you go around the community and everybody's like, man, the boys fought real hard. This isn't Iowa. Okay, we're not trying to score 21 points a game. Like, there is disappointment when you've scored 20 points and you lose. Like, you didn't get it done. It's okay. You can still be on the right track and still say you're disappointed. You don't have to say that the whole season's derailed or you think any different about the team to say, I'm disappointed that they lost the game. I'm not impressed that they lost it close. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just where both of us are. And, you know, I mean, we'll look at the LSU game next week. Um, I think having the bye week, you know, it'll help a little bit. I think being on the road is going to be tough. We'll get into that. But for now, I think just bringing Auburn football back to that perspective of a winning franchise, winning program, not just close enough. I, I Yeah, I completely agree. And obviously, you know, the fans that are more optimistic in nature are obviously going to be optimistic when there's a reason to be. Like that, that is, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want this to come off as just, we're just bashing the entire fan base, but it is just kind of, it, it's almost a, a humbling experience when, and I think, cause I still have the problem of I can, I watch other teams and I associate Auburn as a decent team, yeah you know, and you watch the, like you watch that LSU Ole Miss game, you're like, oh, they, these guys aren't that good at the end of the, you know, like, you're like they're not that good. 
And you're like 2020, you know, 2021 Auburn, 2019 Auburn, they they beat these guys easy. But you're like, we're not even there. No. Like we're not, you know, we're not even on those 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 teams levels. And I think that that is, and I can definitely say that, that hurts my predictions is because when I'm watching these teams, I'm like, oh, Auburn can beat these guys. Then I watch Auburn and I'm like, man, it really is difficult to complete a pass of five or more yards, isn't it? Um, and it just hurts because you just see Jaden Daniel. He's just slinging it. Yeah. I mean, he's just completing whatever he wants. And you're like, man, we haven't had a quarterback throw for over 100 yards in six straight games against Power 5 competition. That is insane. And the craziest thing is, it, it's not like we've been blown out in all of those. Like, most of them have actually been close games or wins. And you're just like, what? what is happening? But re- regardless, regardless. Uh, just real quick, we can go into the the injury update going into this week. Uh, Mosiah Nasali Kite unfortunately tore his bicep against Georgia and will miss the remainder of the season. Uh, I believe he he was one of the biggest, like one of the guys that played the most snaps. He was a very impactful transfer. Unfortunately, he uh, Auburn will be without him. Expect Keldrick Falk, you know, you know, Weathers Weathers guy Keldrick to really step up and get a lot more a lot more reps. Uh, Javaris Johnson uh, did not play against Georgia because of a hamstring issue. He is hopeful to return for LSU. Jalen Simpson is also listed as hopeful with a calf injury. Damari Alston is listed as questionable for the LSU game after suffering a separated shoulder against Texas A&M. Austin Keys is still a few weeks away from being reevaluated. He broke his thumb after the UMass game. And Keontae Scott is still being monitored with a high ankle sprain. Uh, overall, uh, obviously it hurts with, uh, Mosiah not being able to, to return this season, but overall, it seems like this is a really good, a really well-placed bye week. You know, we have a lot of guys who I think have more of a, they're a banged up injury more so than a legitimate, you know, injury out for the season. Yeah. So I think that this week is actually really good that we will be able to have, I, I feel like kind of all the guys that have been kind of iffy the past couple weeks, they'll all be back. Um, and then obviously, you know, we'll have to wait for for Austin Keys and Keontae Scott and maybe even Damari. But uh, overall, I think that this bye week is coming at a really, really good time. Yeah, I agree. Going back to the Jaden Daniels thing, he threw for over 100 yards each quarter. Uh, yeah, like as you mentioned. Anyway, but no, I agree. It's a good time for the bye week, I think, tactically and injury wise. Um and hopefully you come back a little bit fresher and a good showing against LSU. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully, you know, Brian, for all the things that people hate Brian Harson for, he broke the curse in Death Valley. You know, maybe yeah. Hugh can ride that momentum and shock the world and get an upset in Death Valley. That would be that that'd be awesome. But we'll we'll be we'll be back here next week breaking down that game with matchups and, and everything, all all that good stuff. Um, obviously really excited for the coming weeks coming into, you know, the, the more interesting part of the schedule where we think Auburn's really going to start turning it up and getting, getting a couple more wins in the win column and getting back to that, that Auburn football mindset. But overall, we, we really appreciate you guys listening, give this podcast a download and we're Eagle. We're Eagle.